0: This is a Gulf Stories Moment, made possible by the University of West Florida Innovation Institute.
1: Hello again, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another Gulf Stories Moment. My guest today, Mike Myrie, the CEO of the Florida SBDC Network. And we're going to be talking about a business continuity plan and how to survive and even thrive after a natural disaster, something like Hurricane Michael. Mike, how are you? Not too bad, Christian. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you for coming on. So I introduced you as uh, the CEO of the Florida SBDC Network. Why don't you start by telling us, what is the SBDC Network? So the
0: Florida SBDC Network is uh, is the state small business development agency. We provide
1: intelligence and resources and data to help businesses grow. Okay. Um, business Continuity planning. When you and I were talking about topics for, for your appearance here on the show, and, and you suggested that, I thought, this is great. My favorite kind of topic is something I know nothing about. So <laughs> so tell me, what is business continuity planning? Well, uh, before we talk about business continuity planning, we got to be
0: uh, aware of the fact that Florida, you know, is very susceptible, especially to natural disasters, mm. uh, hurricanes mm-hmm. especially, but uh, many others, including, you know, the algae blooms and red tides of uh, of recently. Sure. Um, and then also events like, uh, that hit closer to home, the spring flooding, uh, 2014, and then also, um, you know, the, uh, the, the Horizon uh, oil spill.
1: So, we're, we're always at threat, it feels we're like. Always, in right at the edge. Some way, yeah. And so,
0: it's not a matter of if or it's more of a matter of when yeah. a disaster will strike. And so, our small businesses need to think business continuity, and business continuity is the ability to
1: overcome a disaster event and to plan effectively mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. So, it seems like a great idea. Is this something that you find when you're talking with and your team's talking with small businesses? Is that a normal part of the planning, or is that something you guys bring up and people say, "Hmm, hadn't thought of that." Regrettably, uh, it's not a, a, a something that a lot of small businesses are proactive about.
0: Mm-hmm. And so uh, we make sure that when we're meeting with a business and we're helping them think strategically about the long term, that we're also talking about how to overcome disaster events, whether or not they're man-made or natural uh, disasters. And so we have to get them to think about that and incorporate that into their long-term strategic planning processes.
1: So uh, in in our time here, we can only touch on it, but what, what are some of the key elements, like the things that you've got to do to make sure?
0: So first and foremost, the first step is to assess your risk. You have to understand where it is that you operate your business and what it looks like, so it's important to do that risk assessment. The second step would be to make sure that you have a communication plan. Mm -hmm. A lot of businesses don't think about this, but uh, how are they going to reach their workforce um, and communicate that they're back open for business? We've seen a lot of that with Hurricane Michael, the Mm -hmm. inability to, to reach your employees, but also your suppliers and vendors. If you don't have that communication
1: plan, then you don't have that inventory in a sense to reopen your business as well. I would imagine with with something like this, you know, when you start to go through these key elements, do you find – I mean, I know there's a lot of wonderful small businesses out there. But when you start pointing out those things, do you find people say, yeah, you know, I I wouldn't have thought of that or I hadn't have thought – I mean, when when you sort of see it all compartmentalized, they think, wow, gosh, there's a lot to think about here. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. I mean, most of it's common sense. Um, But it's just a matter of uh, dedicating yourself to uh, doing the particular activity and then updating that on a regular basis. Uh, I can even say, you know, ourselves as an organization has to remind ourselves This is an important activity that we go through at the first of every year, Mm -hmm. making sure that we have the emergency contact information to be able to do outreach to our employees and then have multiple mechanisms to do that.
1: Now, I said in the intro that uh, with a a really strong business continuity plan, you can not only survive but even thrive after a, a natural disaster or something else. Is, is that fair? Is that accurate that, that you can actually turn something like that into a positive in some way if you're prepared?
0: Absolutely. If you're prepared and you're able to reopen before, especially in a market where you have competitors, it's your competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a lot of it with Hurricane Michael. You know, so much of the devastation uh, destroyed infrastructure, but many businesses, like some restaurants, for example, were able to open rather quickly because they had a continuity plan to do so. That allowed them to be
1: one of only a few. That were actually open and available. So yeah, that would be thriving certainly. Um, that's that's something that may thrive for a, a relatively short amount of time because other businesses are going to open eventually. Can can a good strong business continuity plan also help you thrive? You know, sort of long term. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it gets you to think about the long
0: term and the opportunities that that exist for you when you overcome a particular event. It can also uh, help businesses and many businesses who go through a disaster event recognize they also have to make shifts or pivots within their marketplaces. You know what they have always done or what they've always sold um, might not no longer exist after a disaster event. So they may have to diversify. They may have to change or uh, think about other ways to sell their product or service
1: to other markets. Yeah, it's the kind of it sort of forces you when something like this happens to rethink everything. It's almost like when you start to sell your house, you're like. I've got to fix that. That thing I've been talking about for three years, I can't ignore it anymore. You know, it's time to really yeah, right. sort of evaluate everything. That's a great analogy, yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so, so, so let's talk. Here, here's something I, I asked you. We're talking about you know, to, to Mike Myrie, the CEO of the Florida SBDC Network. I remember a few months ago, I asked you a question, and I remember you kind of laughing like, that's a long answer. So knowing that going in, I'm, st- I'm still going to ask, and we'll look for the most succinct answer we can get. How do you... How does the SBDC, how does the state of Florida define a small business? Meaning, I have my own little business. I'm the only person I employ do I count or are there parameters? How does that work? No, you, you you do count if you're a self-employed individual as a small business
0: here in the state. Um, the definition of a small business varies depending upon who you're asking. Uh, the general definition that's often talked about is the federal definition or part of the federal definition that defines a small business as any business with fewer than 500 employees. But the reality is it's dependent upon your industry and the size of revenues. When you look at the federal regs, it's actually about 13 pages long <laughs> that defines small business. Well, let's and- not go through we're all 13 right, right no. now. <laughs> no, but at the federal level, that's how they define it. It's fewer than 500 employees is the general definition. Okay, we define it a little bit different, um, and I think it's important that we do that. We segment it more be, um, than just small business and large business. Um, So we often talk about the self-employed individual, the micro enterprise. We talk about the startup company, and then we talk about the small and medium-sized enterprises that exist in the state of Florida.
1: Now, early on here, when we first started talking, I asked you, you know, what is the SBDC? Let's talk a little bit more about that, because I know this is not just your job. This is a significant passion for you. Uh, How did the SBDC start? What what really is it? What is your mission? What are you guys trying to do? Yeah, you know, I mean, I
0: can talk about what the SBDC is and the features and services in which we offer. Uh, However, I think it's important to Define why you know small business, especially here in the state of Florida, is is extremely and critically important to uh, the state's economy. Uh, here in Florida, we have 2.5 million small businesses, um, and the vast majority of those, you know, like 98% of those, are actually have fewer than 100 employees, um, and 80% of those are actually self-employed individuals. But those businesses, those 2.5 uh, million uh, businesses in, in in our state. You know, support about, you know, their, their activities and investments support about half of our overall economy, our trillion-dollar economy here in the state of Florida now. Um, and they employ uh, almost uh, half of the private sector, and they're creating 8 out of every 10 jobs, uh, new jobs, here in the state of Florida. So as we think about, you know, there's a 1,000 new residents moving to Florida every day. And by 2030, we're going to have 6 more million people in our state than we have today. That is growth that is going to happen in the next 10 years that it took us the last 25 to realize. Why is that? Do we know why
1: that is, why we're growing so much?
0: Well, I think Florida is an extremely attractive place not only to live but also to do business. Uh, It's a great place because of the business friendliness and the uh, uh, regulations uh, and and the fact that that Florida is extremely resource-rich in many different ways makes it very attractive for businesses to start
1: and grow and relocate. So, we're talking to Mike Meyer, the CEO of the Florida SBDC Network. You're talking about how many small businesses there are. This is a huge deal in our state. As you said, nearly half of the private people out there are working in small businesses. Is it standard operating procedure for small businesses to come to the SBDC? Do you feel like you wish a whole lot more? We're, we're, we're checking in with you guys to get advice and, and tips? Is that, or is it like the norm to come?
0: Um, you know, I would like to, to say that it is the norm to come, but we often hear that we are the best kept secret. And to me, that is not a good thing to hear about your organization or for that fact, any business. You want people to know about you and the resources that you can offer um, each year, but our capacity is also limited. Sure. I mean, what we do uh, is provide professional expertise at no cost. So I have certified business professional consultants that are in the areas of expertise that most small business owners generally don't have. We know small business owners have to wear many, many hats. And they're usually very, very good in understanding the service or product in which they're selling, but they don't understand necessarily the market or approaches to sell. Um, Ninety percent of all businesses, uh, and this is a study done by the uh, Small Business Administration Office of Advocacy uh, many years ago, but it it, it still holds true to this day. Ninety percent of the businesses that fail, fail for one of two reasons. and That is of a lack of knowledge and a lack of experience. So the SBDC exists to bring and be a part of that team, that unbiased team to the business owner, about the things in which they don't know. And we can help them
1: move their business along. And, you know, so you're the CEO of the SBDC Network for Florida. That's here at the University of West Florida. But I'm assuming there are offices all over the state. Is, is that Accurate.
0: Yeah, actually, we, we, we got our beginnings here at the University of West Florida, and I think that's an important story to tell. In uh, 1976, uh, Congress actually developed a pilot program where they identified eight uh, locations across the country, four rural, four urban, uh, to test a model that uh, regional universities, public and state universities, play a role in helping businesses grow within their communities. Uh, And UWF was selected as one of those eight locations in 1976, and so for the next four years that pilot program ran, and now today um, UWF is the headquarters for the Florida SBDC network. So I often say that it began with one man and one community helping a handful of businesses. Today we are uh, over 250 employees strong, we're one of the largest business development organizations in the state. Uh, and we have forty five uh, locations and uh, sister relationships with most of our state universities in florida
1: when you when you say you know you describe yourself almost as a consultancy a few minutes ago um, how, how does this work? Like, if somebody's hearing it right now and they're like, you know, I've never checked in with them, do they hit the website, drop you an email, and get assigned someone to talk to? You know, what's sort of the process of, of help? You know?
0: Certainly. I mean, there's a couple of gateways in order to come to our organization. Uh, one of the primary, obviously, is our website, because we want to make sure that we're addressing the specific needs of the individual, dependent upon where they're at within their business uh, venture or life cycle. Um, so we sort of kind of navigate that through our website. Um, if you're a pre-venture individual, there's some—it's a, it's a different pathway than it is if you're an existing business looking to uh, maybe take your business internationally. Uh, so our website helps or tries to help navigate okay. to find uh, what the specific need is, and then we're able to then get you into the SBDC services that way. Um, but once you um, once you go through that process. Uh, then you are assigned a consultant and that initial engagement with that consultant is in an area of of expertise and the need in which you have for your business. And They do an initial assessment to determine that um, or verify that particular need and then provide assistance. But just because you meet with one of our consultants doesn't mean that that's the only consultant that you're going to draw expertise from. each of our regions have teams that have uh, various skills and knowledges within it. And more often than not, one client will meet actually with many different consultants to address all of their business needs.
1: I appreciate that. That was going to be my next question is if, if someone hits up the website and kind of describes what they do, does it come up that you're like, gosh, you know, we don't have an expert for that? Or is it because it's such a big network and you've got this, these statewide buildings and, and, and offices, you can find somebody that's going to be able to get them where they need to be?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we even if we don't have expertise within a particular local office and that local office may be one person Mm -hmm. or maybe just a few people up to 40 or 50 people that exist within one of our regional offices, um, doesn't mean that you're not going to access expertise from somebody else somewhere else within our organization. Um, All 250 of our employees are committed to helping our businesses within the state. So our consultants are actually uh, engaged with one another, feeding upon each other's expertise and drawing them in when they have a particular need in which they don't have
1: the expertise or knowledge to address. Okay. Um, Well, here's something. what Does it cost? I mean, what, how, do, how does it work? What's the charge? No, no. So uh,
0: we, uh, we offer our professional uh, consulting services at no cost to small and medium-sized businesses. And I say no cost uh, because they're not free. Um, we are supported principally by taxpayer dollars. Um, we receive funding from our federal agency partners or Congress. We receive funding from the Florida legislature, and we receive funding from our institutions of higher education, which have an SBDC or host an SBDC. Uh, they are vested partners in what it is that we do. And in turn, the expectation is, is that we're helping their, these businesses grow and add back to the tax base at a much greater rate in, which, uh, in, in return for the investment in which we receive
1: Wow, Mike, it's really incredible. Again, we're talking to Mike Myrie, the CEO of the Florida SBDC Network. It's incredible that these services exist in a significant way. Statewide experts, they can help so many from a small business of one to 500. And then, of course, depending on the different parameters for the different industries, and it's no cost. You know, I, I can see why you'd say you're the best kept secret. It feels like once the word gets out in a more significant way, everybody's going to be like, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next, which probably is your, is your dream, I would imagine.
0: It, it, it certainly is. I mean, and we, we want to make sure that our, our expertise align with what the specific needs are of, of the businesses. But our, our niche um, I think it's important to define as well. Our niche uh, when it comes to our expertise and the things in which we can do uh, really exists with companies that are between 5 and 50 employees okay. that have a half a million to up to 50 million in sales and have been in business uh, more than three years. Now that's not to say that on the uh, on either side of that mm-hmm. that we don't provide assistance you know, to, to the micro enterprises, the self-employed individuals or those up to five employees or even those that have more than 50 employees. Um, um, but, you know, when we talk about our target market focus, where our expertise best align to help companies, it's really in those uh, stage two companies that, that are defined that way.
1: Well, I appreciate that you, you pointed out that there is sort of a, of a niche, although, as you said, you know, that's not to cut anybody else out of the deal that, that has questions or interest, but but that's good to know that you've got that wheelhouse area as well. I've uh, been talking to uh, Mike Myrie, the CEO of the Florida SBDC Network. Mike, I sure appreciate all your time here today. Um, we've gone a little long, which is great. You know, I, I wanted this conversation to go. Uh, and that's the beauty of podcast format. We get to just talk. Uh, I'm, I'm quite positive, and we've done this a few times, but let's do it again. There are people out there that, that maybe had heard of the SBDC but didn't fully get what it what exists for them. How do they find you? What's the, what's the best thing to do to, to get info?
0: Well, the easiest and best way to find us is to uh, simply go to our state's website, which is floridasbdc.org. There you'll be able to find um, um, about our expertise and about the services or consultancy in which we can offer. Also about many of the workshops and training programs that we do around the state as well. Um, But you'll also be able there to find the location of uh, your local SBDC, one of our
1: 45 offices across the state, and be able
0: to go to them directly as well.
1: Okay, that's perfect. But real quick, since she says up there, I want you mentioned workshops and training. Is that a regular part of what you all do?
0: It is. It's one of our foundational services. We often talk about our one-on-one, you know, no-cost professional consulting that we do with small businesses, and that's the cornerstone of what we do and where we put most of our investment. Um, but it's important that we also do educational workshops, uh, and so we do educational workshops uh, from um, how to start a small business. You know what. Considerations and business planning that you you need to think about as a uh, aspiring small business owner, to uh, very sophisticated strategic planning type sessions. through
1: educational programs. Appreciate that, uh, Mike Myrie, the CEO of the Florida SBDC Network. Highly interesting. It's obviously it's a wonderful service, and I hope that a lot of folks hear this and uh, and hit that website and start contacting you guys. Thank you, Christian, and remember shop small. Shop small. Thank you for your time, <laughs> sir. Thank you. For more Golf Stories moments, visit wuwf.org slash podcast or go to the podcast page of npr.org.